attention. The movie guys love movies. Any comments about Trump Care's provision of giant monkeys as a pre-existing condition are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, Skull Island? While you're a chimpanzee, though, you can stay on your parents' plan, right? Yes. Yes. If once, you, cute, once you become an ape, full-grown ape, yeah, <laughs> you're off. You got to pay your own deductible, at least. I think. I don't think that's in the plan. No. No. I think I don't think that's in the plan. <laughs> Orangutans, if they can drive a truck, then that's a fo- <laughs> that's a pre-existing condition. Orangutan. Orangutan. Yeah. Orangutan. Orangutan. A little think. ointment clear that right up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'd like to. I like to say Actually, it's a, that's an option at the spray booth. Oh yeah, the orangutan. Can I get the orangutan? No, oh, the Trump jokes. Are just well, that is a, you know that really is yeah. It's I was a, gonna say we took the high road. Didn't make any Trump jokes. Can't set that up that well. That's uh, that's just it's gonna go right there. <laughs> hey, welcome to the movie showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling movie guys network. If Sims catches you here after lights out, she's gonna chew my ass off. This is where movies and comedy collide, happening every week with jokes, rants, sketches, previews, special guests, bits, banter, and more as we broadcast from our studio, the Admirals Club, in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. This is a brand new show, and these brand new shows are offered up every week, absolutely. Now, Paul, I'm more than happy to pay my fair share for the show, but from here on out, I insist in uh, uh, adding a small tariff to it so that, you know, it's a little more equitable, is all I'm saying. Who gets the tariff? Somebody, oh. yeah, me. When I pay it to you, this plan doesn't Look, seem I very well thought yeah, out. I don't know Something D O O economics. <laughs> Let me guess. It's a great plan. It's going to oh, go great. Plan, Everyone's going to love it. You'll love the plan. Well, listen. Don't, you don't have to worry about it, nor does anyone, because the show is free. Oh, hmm. what a bargain. Okay, so don't sweat that. Uh, wherever you find us, uh, we're out there. Google, Yahoo. And we come right up. Settle in and enjoy as we take you through the upcoming weekend and new movie releases. I'm your host for the hardest working podcast in all the land, Paul Preston, here with Bart Caius. Let's not talk about my margins, by the way, being nice and fat. That's a nice shirt. Do they make it for men? And Adam Witt. (laughs) Get your hands off of me, you damn dirty apes! Very nice. Karen is in Las Vegas with her group, the Boo Bay Sisters. Mm. I guess they're playing out on the Strip downtown at Fremont Street. They're hitting a comedy club and uh, cavorting. That's what they do. So, she's not here. But later in the show, we'll be joined by an actor who's had a busy career lately as a multi-hyphenate. He shows off those credits. Did he get gay married? No, it's a dip, it's artistic. Oh, uh, oh. Not uh, that there's anything wrong of, with that. Well, of course yeah. not. My father was gay. Um, <laughs> My father's father was gay. <laughs> shows off those credits with his latest film, Cut to the Chase, where he serves as actor, writer, and producer. Blaine Weaver hey! will be here. I'm just saying, Blaine Weaver has a nice hyphen. That's all. Yeah. I've seen his hyphen. It's good. It's a good hyphen. <laughs> but first up, our signature event every show is we provide detailed and comedic movie previews. There's just one. Oh, it's normally movie previews. There's yes. just one this week. You're right, you're right. One major movie to preview, Kong Skull Island. That's mm. uh, for those of you who enjoy Kong, hold the donkey. <laughs> Ape smash. An uncharted island. Let me list all the ways you're going to die. Rain, heat, disease-carrying flies. And we haven't started on the things that want to eat your life. We'll double them. Plus a bonus if we make it back. If? That'll see if you hang in there. Well, <laughs> what happens is when you have a British guy say, like, real foreboding things, ends up sounding kind of charming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to go to that island. Yeah. 
<laughs> they eat snakes, will uh, yeah. eat your face. Yeah. Well, that wasn't British, but he sounds convincing, <laughs> too. The snakes will eat your face. Oh, oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, Inigo Montoya. Sure. Us about yeah, Inigo Montoya. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we have buff Tom Hiddleston, and then trimmed down John Goodman. It's reverse world now. Really? Skinny, skinny Loki got a little bigger, and Goodman lost I a I thought ton somebody else was Loki. Who did I think was Loki? Oh, you're asking me? Cumberbatch. No. Was it Colm Fiore? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Colm Cumberbatch. Me? Was it not Cumberbatch? Was he somebody he in a, was in a space movie? He was and Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so he was in a space movie. Yeah. Oh, sure. Comic book, comic book space movie. Very spacey. Very spacey, those movies. <laughs> I honestly got those guys confused. Now I know who Tom Hiddleston is. That's because you've not seen Thor, Thor the Dark World, right. or Avengers, right? <laughs> you're going to be a little in the dark on Tom Hiddleston, I think. Right. Or, or Colm Fiore, <laughs> no, wait, but Thor the Dark World's villain. But if he oh. was Loki, then he was in one of the Avenger movies that I saw, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm kidding. That was Loki. You, you've right. seen a few okay, I have seen that. <laughs> okay. Just leave your man card on the table when you exit the Admirals Club. Thank you. I'll or, pick, or, yeah. or pick it up after this Loki conversation. <laughs> I'll have to put down my scotch to do that, so yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got to brush the ladies off my lap. <laughs> you're, you're, you're me. To pick up that card that says, I know who Loki is. <laughs> Every lady. second you don't know who Loki is, you're just getting this mustache. It's just growing, <laughs> and your chest hair, I'm seeing it under the shirt. I mean, just every second. I honestly confuse those two guys. Now I'm not going to. Tom Hiddleston, and then there's like a there's another like a Tim Hoddleston or something out there. There is, is a there, Tim Hoddleston. Is, or it's something, not that. Yeah. It's something like that. Though, well, those Brits have a lot of those. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Tom Hubleston. Tom's uh, Hiddleston, of course. Uh, oh, big changes to the show. Now, if you're enjoying our show here in its uh, 90 minute format, that will be changing. Uh, we laid a little groundwork of an announcement on that a little while back. We're going to go to a video format. Mm-hmm. I've always said this show is the daily show for movies. We will be shooting that very thing and delivering it up every week. You know, yeah. Paul, you didn't have to tell everybody because if we can't get it together, you know, then <laughs> no one's expecting well, we, it. He we, didn't state a date. We <laughs> could always come back to this. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah, well, it's okay. it's going to be a great show. You're going to love it. i got a lot of great people working on it. Yeah. We're not invited. Um, so, yeah, that's right around the corner. The 29th, actually, we're going to start shooting, and then in April we'll have our first show for you to So, enjoy. really, for the, the, the most of the time we've been doing the podcast, we've had the video. If you go to YouTube, you can watch us record this show, but it's more been kind of behind the scenes. You want to watch the watch us read off the scripts and joke and point at each other or whatever that we're doing right. as you can hear it. Now we're kind of flopping that. You'll be able to hear the video <laughs> yeah. show if you still subscribe to the podcast, right? But no, also the videos will go up on iTunes as well. Yeah, I mean, those, yeah, yeah but you could listen to them as you well could. if you're subscribing here. Yeah. But, yeah. but they won't get all the visual <laughs> jokes. That's true. Or What's see the, my new hair pieces. <laughs> That's <laughs> why it will be video everywhere from here on. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. All video just for your hair configurations. <laughs> I expect now you to I go from to. podcast hair to full video hair. I'm good now. I now I have to right. I've been talking about this for a year. It's a lot of pressure. You're gonna have to go to Billy Bob Thornton's guy. <laughs> I think I'm under pressure to put a half hour show out every week. You got hair to contend with. All right, let's get to our first uh, film, an only film, a mm-hmm. big weekend from Legendary Pictures, creators of Giant Monsters Hate the Great Wall, Giant Monsters Hate Giant Robots, and Giant Monsters Hate Brian Cranston's Screen Time. Now bring you. The hell with everyone else in Kong Skull Island. It's a big movie. Let's all talk about it, shall yeah. we? Too much monkey business. Too much monkey business. Too much monkey business for me to be involved. We're going to need a bigger monkey. In the next entry in Legendary's Monsterverse, a crack squadron of mercenaries is hired by a government agent to guide an expedition to Skull Island when the waters off Genocide Bay and Massacre Atoll prove too choppy. This movie has the one thing every movie should have. Big giant monkey. 
And not only does it have a big giant monkey, but unlike some other giant creature movies, they don't hold back when it comes to showing the giant creature. <clears throat> Looking at you, Jaws. And Apocalypse Now. <laughs> the monkey business starts even before they are able to land their helicopters on the sand. Is that a monkey? Yes, it is. And immediately, <laughs> the monkey starts swatting the whirly birds out of the air, a la, well, King Kong. Mm -hmm. Apparently, that's just what giant monkeys do. Before they know it, before they know what hit them, the crew finds themselves stranded on the remote island with no way off and in a fight for their survival. You know, we could tell you the cast, but I think it's easier if we just play the beginning of this week's episode of Fantasy Skull Island. <laughs> That is Tom Hiddleston, who you loved in The Avengers, and little else. He plays James Conrad, an adventurer looking for the greatest beast that man has ever conquered, his own hubris. Only box office returns will tell whether he's slumming or not. Oh, she's lovely, boss. What is her fantasy? Ah, that, my friend, is Mason Weaver, played by Brie Larson. Her fantasy is to collect a quick buck in a giant monster movie before anyone in the Academy that gave her an Oscar for Room catches on. Oh, they look so tough, especially that guy. Ha, that tattoo is Lieutenant Colonel Preston Packer, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, why, yeah. is, why is he here, boss? Why tattoo? Samuel L. Jackson is in every movie. Yes. Oh, boss, and the big guy, he looks so familiar. That is John Goodman. You might know him from the television program Roseanne or The Big Lebowski. Oh, is he the one who says, Shut the fuck up, Tattoo! Goodman plays Bill Ronda, a conspiracy theorist and Washington, D.C. hobnobber who convinces a U.S. senator to finance an exploratory trip to a remote island in the South Pacific in the hopes of proving that monsters do exist. Sounds like he could have proven that by staying in Washington, D.C. Soon after the team arrives on the island, they begin to fear that Randa may be up to no good. Uh, what tipped them off? The 50-foot giant ape that attacked their helicopters? Nope, they had all just seen aliens. Oh, hold on, hold on one second. This installation has a substantial dollar value attached to it. <laughs> Brie Larson, my favorite actress named after a cheese, plays Mason Weaver, a female photojournalist, the kryptonite to all sinister plots. This movie also stars everybody's favorite... And in Kong, he revises one of his best and most beloved characters, that of John C. Riley. I call them skull crawlers. Why? Because it sounds neat. Okay. Look, I just made that name up. I'm trying to scare you. I never said that name out loud before. It sounds stupid now that I say just you call them whatever you want. Riley plays Hank Marlowe, an American pilot stranded on the island since World War II. Here he explains. Hey, Dilly Dilly, sing along with me. Why don't you come with me? We'll go down to the deep blue sea. You take my hand and we'll wear a very warm coat because you are going to go with me on a sailing boat. That's uh, a poem by Captain Roy Bringus. <laughs> it very well could be a speech at the end of Apocalypse Now if you just had Brando do it. 
Joining them all is Samuel L. Jackson, who has had some experience doing battle with violent monkeys. Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! You know, monkey fighting snakes just might come in handy here. Yeah. Uh, the last big name in the party is James Conrad, a British mercenary tracker, played by Tom Hiddleston. Oh, hey, a Brit playing a Brit in an American movie. Huh, how about that? I wonder if he had to work on the accent at all. But let's be honest here. The cast is secondary because you know everyone in the audience is just waiting to see The Kong Show. <laughs> the record could listen to that all day oh yeah <laughs> and according to an interview in entertainment weekly the role of kong is being played by terry notary with help from toby kebble who which mm. is a bummer because we always love seeing our favorite motion capture actor in action andy 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 now, this is a rethunk about version of the original Mammoth Monkey Monster movie. And I'm pretty sure the rethinking went a little like this. Hey, what if we make another King Kong movie now that we have better special effects? Because that's the only reason for me remaking a movie that has already been remade at least twice before. You know, advancements in money ma monkey making special effects. I mean, that's why they redid Arthur with Russell Brand. Zing! <laughs> Some have questioned why this movie is set in 1973. Well, no doubt, so people can write their own Viet Cong jokes. Now, we'll pause. Should be music. Or not. Go ahead. Okay. Actually, uh, it's for a couple of reasons. First, it makes using songs like Bad Moon Rising, Run Through the Jungle, and White Rabbit seem appropriate and not some hackneyed co-opting of a bygone era and attempt to hip up your movie by going retro. Also, one of the basic plot lines of the film is that they are hoping to gain irrefutable photographic and physical proof that a giant monkey's monsters do exist, something that today could easily be accomplished by drone. Premise solved in 10 seconds! That's not how we usually play that game, but it applies, yes. Now, this film will do really well in foreign markets because giant crazy ape going nuts on an island means pretty much the same thing in every language. Will Kong prove to be a gentle giant who ultimately saves the day? Probably. Can John C. Riley be seen as a serious actor in a monster movie? Maybe. Did it work for Vince Vaughn in the Lost World Jurassic Park? No. Will Kong Skull Island rule the box office this time next week? Not according to this critic. It was beauty killed the beast. <laughs> Let the dramatic music build there. For yeah. A second too. And that's Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island. Which we're all going to see, yeah. Oh, it looks like a really good King Kong movie. Right? Yeah. It's exactly what you want. It's giant monsters fighting giant monsters and people in the middle of it. I mean, they do their graceful King Kong. I mean, the, the Peter Jackson one. I mean, that was legit. That was a cool remaking of it using modern special effects and everything. But that's a, definitely a very gentle, poetic King Kong. That's a good word. Yeah, yeah. poetic. And, you know, and very much based on the other King Kong had a lot of poetry to it as well. But I can tell that legendary's <laughs> Thomas yeah. Tull grew up in an era where Godzilla's fought Godzilla's and, and Godzilla's fought King Kong's. And that's what he's making here, which is fantastic. Yeah, I like the mythology that Peter Jackson seemed to be working with mm -hmm. with that first movie. It was like... There's this story has to be told, and she's the one, and it's all part of a foretold thing, and there's this great majesty to it all. And now, yeah, it's, it's like let's have, let's have some monster killing. Yeah, let's do it. And there <laughs> seems to be very little of the the damsel in distress angle to this one, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's there at all. I think it's just the all out pursuit. They hint they hint to some um, taming of the beast by the 
the fair sex, but I don't think there's that whole love affair that occurred. And I can't remember in this. I hope not. Actually, I hope not that would, Yeah, it would be retreading. And, and then this one, they're not trying to bring him back, right? There's there's no hope of bringing him back. You know, these are the things I don't know that I think are very good questions because the, why we're here. I think. Adam. Well, I think the movie, uh, <laughs> the, the trailer is showing you the first twenty minutes of the movie, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Like they arrive and they that action sequence we see there is is pretty much the first thing they arrive to. I, I believe in in some form. Well, this 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 giant monkey movie passes the test that I have for all giant what, monkey. What movies. is your monkey movie test? How quickly do I get to see a giant monkey? Right. They do not hide the giant monkey. Yeah, they I had Godzilla to, for a long time. The, the, it was the worst. It's like wh- who they give you. Mm-hmm. Here's here, we don't have a lot of Godzilla, but here's some Aaron Taylor Johnson for you. <laughs> Thank so this, you. So this uh, giant monkey movie might give my first favorite giant monkey movie, Mighty Joe Young, a run for its money. Oh, because Mighty, 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 Bill Paxton. No, <laughs> is that the original Mighty Joe? No, Charlize Theron oh, is Mighty Joe. Because yeah. that monkey comes out right away. Boom! Yeah. They show up and they're like, "What's that in the woods?" Giant monkey. Boom, and you're on. You're, you're off to the races. That's right. I, you've got me for the next however long this movie's going to be on the screen. Right. And how good does this giant monkey look in this? I mean, this looks like such a great Kong. It's it's a weathered uh, one, which I like because the thing about I always feel bad for Kong. Like, it's bad that he got pulled to New York and mm. fell off the thing. But he, had, he didn't have it good at Skull Island. And Peter Jackson showed that, too. He's just sitting around doing nothing. A bunch of birds will come up and start pecking at him. He's like, God. <laughs> like, it sucked being on Skull Island. And now we're coming to screw with him. It's just tragic. He has always turned into a sympathetic character, right? Yeah. In every, every one of his his movies. Yeah, I mean, I I'm think I'm wondering that's... if they're going to be able to pull that off with this one. Well, that's why, you know, when you say it would be a retread if you do the damsel in distress thing. Well, if you do it in the right way, it's a reference, really, too. That's true. It's, 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 I would like to see a moment where you go, oh, he's got to pick her up in his hand. Just for a moment. Yeah, will they play like <laughs> that John Goodman's coming here to lay the groundwork for, for bringing him off the island? But it seems like they came up with that in King Kong, though, did they not? Like Jack Black and his team were sort of watching yeah. Kong and said, you know where we can really make some money? It wasn't like... Yeah, know. they were going to shoot a movie there, and yeah. uh, but uh, wh- I don't know, if, did one of them know that there was a Kong there, or were they surprised with that? I kind of forget. It's been a while since I've oh, seen Oh, no, it. I'll have to watch it again. Yes, I know. And Twist does John C. Riley play Amelia Earhart? Is that who she is? Yes. Okay. That's who he plays. Well, she's yes. trapped on the island there. <laughs> but it, you can't have tons <laughs> yeah. of fun with Skull Island, because it's whatever lives there. You get attacked by a whatever. Yeah. Whatever the hell, right? Yeah. Remember that scene in the where Andy Serkis bought it in the Peter Jackson remake? Like a big thing came, sucked his head up, and then pulled... And covered his whole body, and he was dead. It's like, what was that thing? I will There's plenty that. of that in this movie. Yeah. But I will say this. One of the things that I'm curious about is that the things, and they show them in the trailer, so I'm not giving any spoilers away, the the skull crushers. Skull is, killers. Uh, skull crawl, crawlers. crawlers. Um, they look alien. Skull crawlers. Those are delicious. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Cream filled? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. mm. uh, they look alien to me, which I don't, I, I don't think jives with the rest of the island. They look like they're from another planet. I'd rather have them be prehistoric or be more dinosaur-like. Well, that certainly is what they did in the original Kong and yeah. the Peter Jackson one, is that, that the island's basically lost in time in exactly. some way. So, yeah, I think they're going much more that, no, this is just crazy monsters on this island as opposed to lost in time. Has, did anyone uh, go to the uh, Rotten uh, Vegetable website about this one? I try not to. Go um, ahead. Well, it's... There's, they have a description. Let me guess. Rex Reed doesn't get it. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't even know how that site works. I don't know where I find out who doesn't like what. I just go there to read the synopsis, yeah. and the synopsis is literally a page and a half of what other movies everyone in this movie has been in, including uh. the makeup supervisor and the stunt coordinator. The stunt coordinator is getting called out in the synopsis on the uh, Rotten Tomatoes and letting. Did me he know just win a SAG award or something? He he was in another movie. Is all I need to know in order for me to be excited about this movie. Hey, the people in this movie did other movies, so they know what they're doing. 
that's always the weirdest when the, the synopsis is entirely from the creative team who brought you this. Mm-hmm. And, this and you go, makes me nervous. I didn't find out what the movie was about. Well, it would make me nervous if the plot weren't so damn simple like this one. <laughs> but doesn't it? It gives you the feeling that this is this is the trick that that movie studios use when they don't think they can sell this movie on the merit of its own ability to be a movie, and they got to remind you that look, it's got a lot of good people from other good movies. So now, Bart, did you see the Vietnam trailer, the uh, the Doors version? Yeah, I've seen all the yeah Kong Apocalypse trailers. Kong, the yeah. Apocalypse Kong one. I. It. There's nothing else to say after that one. That that trailer I'm is hopeful. awesome. I am hopeful. I'm just saying that I'm very hopeful. And then I come across a promotion that is mainly telling me that these people have been in other good movies, which is sometimes a tell. I think Legendary only makes movies you would like. It is 3D stuff flying out at you. It's big, giant, scary well, that's things. Right. There's and guys that well, just win. We've had this 3D. Well, except in this one, maybe. We've had this 3D discussion before. <laughs> unless it's unless it's you know bullets coming at me. Yeah. I don't want atmospheric 3D. I don't want just, oh, it gives some depth the, the to the living frame. room. The picture frame. Yeah, it's the living room. Looking into it. I can see the vase on the other side. No, no, I want lasers coming at me. Yeah, I, got, I had a view master when I was exactly. a kid. I get it. I get it. They're further <laughs> away. and it, yeah. If I'm not dodging <laughs> Kong spit, I don't want to. I don't need to see it in Let's 3D. Let's go dodge some Kong. Remember Treasure of the Four Crowns? That no. was a great. There was a, they Steve, released like wait who was that? Steve they, McQueen or something? No, no, no. no. I think no, no, no. It was a total Italian production. Oh. Like they released a bunch of 3D movies in 1983 because it was the three year. Now you're telling things. me they didn't have Steve McQueen? No. Okay. No, no. no. It was. It was. I'm for, just double downing on my stupid guess. Fernando Ferlazzi or whatever. Everybody, <laughs> every name ended with a vowel in the, in the whole movie. It was an Italian it. production, but uh, yeah, it's the same year as Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden. Oh, I, I love that. <laughs> was that before or after Last Starfighter? Uh, that was before Metal Storm Destruction of Jared Sin, I believe after. And you're from the Hunter Fighter. from the Future was before both of those. Am I yes, correct? it would be. Yes, All it would right, be, Paul. Standing. You say you like movies. <laughs> exactly. Well, everything <laughs> after Hercules <laughs> in New York. Uh, wait, wait, we're talking about Skull Island, right? Yes. Sounds like a scary name, but uh, seems much nicer when described by the Skull Island Travel Bureau. When choosing a vacation destination, you have a lot of choices. But if you're looking for a tropical travel destination, why not try to escape from the beauty, the grandeur, the majesty of Skull Island? Do you like hiking? This island paradise has mountains, trails, and caves that have captured explorers for decades. Once you start wandering, you will never leave Skull Island! And if you're a nature fan, get ready for a variety of flowers and plants that have had nature lovers go missing for a lifetime on Skull Island! Where you can get away from it all. Skull Island may be vast and unexplored, but you don't have to go far to find native wildlife. It'll find you. It will find you. So when you book your next vacation, why not consider Skull Island? Once you see it, you'll never see another thing again. Get away from it all, if you can, on Skull Island. Who says a vacation spot has to be charted? Sponsored by the Skull Island Bureau of Travel and Sacrificial Virgin Islands. All right, that's... We have a sponsor! (laughs) Finally! I think I could go to that Skull Island. I would go to where I can get away from it all and never see another thing again. <laughs> well, that sounds great. Get away from it all if you can. <laughs> I'd be a little bummed if I showed up and there is people and there are people there. <laughs> like John C. Riley's character, Hank Marlowe, would kind of bum me out. Like, yeah. really? There's a guy I've here. Come all this yes, way. I come all this and way to get, his a, dummy. get away from yeah. people, and you're here. But there's always a tribe on the island, right? There was a tribe on. 
Yeah, Khan, uh, Peter Jackson. Yeah. one. There's always like a indigenous group of folk. I think folk. so. Yeah. yeah, and they sacrifice to Khan. Somebody's got to do the laundry at the resort. Hey, speaking of which. <laughs> um, Happy International Women's Day, everybody. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the, um, that reminds me, the, the natives in, I love the 1978 Kong, the Daniel Day one. That is on Amazon Prime, by the way, for anybody who wants no to. No kidding. Go. Yeah. It's Jeff Bridges. It's um, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin. Jessica, Jessica Lang. Yeah. And, and the, I, the ape in that one, yeah, sure, it's, it's old, you know photography it's old technology it's not digital pick your fake as i say but uh but i love the way that one looks and moves and that, i think that was um it was a pretty it was a famous special effects guy it uh, created the monkey for that one I, I still love that that monkey i grew up with that one yeah yeah i loved it i you saying i would still enjoy it because oh, oh, like, i think so okay it's still an epic it's a two three five it's a giant sweeping do you think i'd like huge black production. hole if i saw the black hole no yes but not really? on the same level okay yeah it's 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 entertaining still. I mean, the, the yeah. black hole does a lot of like they really had. They were trying to make a Star Wars. So it was trippy too. Yeah. 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 There's something. And there's another movie. And I can't remember what it was, but I was re- watching recently that which was produced with far less a level of production value than you're uh, experiencing today. Yeah. But there's something about that lack of production value that sucks you into that movie. And I think Kong, the original King Kong, would do that for you. Is that it really takes you to this other place because. It looks different for two reasons. One, it's this island that doesn't exist. And two, it's shot in this way that we don't watch films anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So you're completely trans, uh, transported to this other place, and it looks different on every level. And, and that is one where you don't you don't put your monkey up front. They, yeah, they, they, you know, they, 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 the they make monkey. you go through that Superman amount of time to get to the, the monkey. Uh, you know, but but I love the first entrance of it when they've got her all tied up and everything like that. And you just and you and that's the thing too. But in digital, you would see the monkey approaching. But here, because they didn't show it and they had to hide a lot of things and they kind of made it more mysterious, you would hear it coming and coming and crushing and, and oh, yeah. you know, and finally it breaks through and that's a great moment. But that's completely because it's not digital and you know they they had to play the suspense in a certain way because you couldn't see everything. Right, as you say, playing. With restrictions, yeah, yields a lot of creativity. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've always said creativity is the ability to, to do something when not everything's an option, yeah. right? I, I work in a creative world, and these the people I work with just want everything to be made available to them. That's yeah. not creativity. Creativity is figuring out how to make do with what you have. Yeah, exactly. If, if everything's an option, you could figure that out, Paul. I wonder if there was an independent filmmaker that could tell us I was just more about that. <laughs> <laughs> about restrictions and how you have to be creative around those. I guess we'll have to ask some questions about that. I'll be on Skull Island <laughs> if you need me. All right, so that's it for new movies. Only mm-hmm. one of major consequence. Other stuff is coming out, but like there's an indie with Kristen Stewart. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be back in 10 seconds with this week's guest, director and star of Cut to the Chase, Blaine Weaver, right after this. <laughs> With our guest, an actor, writer, director, and more, who has a great and varied series of indie films to his name, including Outside Sales, Weather Girl, Six Month Rule, and now Cut to the Chase, available right now, as of this last Tuesday. Brand new on VOD, including iTunes, Amazon, and Vudu, all those, and more. It's Blaine Weaver! Thank you all so much. Thank you all so much. Is there something called Vudu? Yeah, V-U-D-U. 
Oh, okay. I thought you were trying it, to do like no. It's a thing. Videos. I don't watch it, but it's a thing. <laughs> I mean, I support it, yeah. it. Don't you know? Voodoo. I love you. No, I've used it. It's very easy to use. Actually, sometimes it's it's easier than iTunes because my Apple TV keeps giving me crap. Oh. I talked about that last week. I was wondering who do the voodoo. Who do the voodoo? <laughs> voodoo do the voodoo. I see what you did there. <laughs> so, Blaine, which which of the things about your name uh, annoy you most? Is it is it that people do this all the time? Blaine Weaver. <laughs> I believe we can get to <laughs> That was very nice. That or, was very nice. Or is it Blaine? His name is Blaine. Oh, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. <laughs> I lo- okay, I, first of all, I love that you pulled that up. Uh, Second of all, I never got what that means. What does that mean exactly? What's I don't a major either, I don't appliance? Either. Like Westinghouse or Blaine's. The na- it, actually, the joke is a little less than explanatory because he's what I think he's referring to is the name of a appliance line, like a manufacturer. <laughs> yeah. right. Oster. Oster, Blaine, Sunbeam. What movie is that from? Pretty, pretty in pink. pink. Oh, Pretty in Pink. Okay, so quick story. Uh, I'm directing Weather Girl. And John Cryer is in Weather Girl just because he knows Mark Harmon. Like, basically, Andy Richter was supposed to play this part, and Andy Richter had to pull out at the last second. And, uh, you know, we were talking to Harmon on set, and, you know, I was like, you know, we really wanted John Cryer, but we made the offer, and he couldn't do it. And he calls John Cryer, and he's like, come on, you can do it. You can do it. It's Ah. a day. It's a day. And so John Cryer came in and did oh my God. And we had this really packed day where we did a, a shot at the soundstage, and then we had to change locations. And we're in the, the A car or whatever, so I'm in the middle sitting next to John Cryer. We're stuck in traffic, and I'm just like, so since we're sitting here, he's like, here we go. Here we go. The Blaine thing, right? Uh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything by it. He's like, you wouldn't believe how many people cross the street to yell at me because their name is Blaine. <laughs> He's a great guy, though. That's funny that he actually came up to face-to-face with dealing with that. That's yeah. cool. I've never met another Blaine. Ever. I have. I've As a Bart, you. I have never met oh. another Blaine. Yeah. Two Blaines that were boys and one Blaine girl. Wow, Ooh, that's kind of yeah. sexy. Blame for a girl. Because I'm a, now that Thank I'm saying you. it, I'm guessing you have the same kind of experience Blair. I have. That which it's a small group of you. Yeah, there's there, not a lot of Bart's in the world, mm-hmm. not a lot of Blaine's in the world. There's not. I got Blaine with a Y too. Well, that's pretty rare. Have you ever seen a Blaine? You went, ah, he shouldn't be a Blaine. Shouldn't be a Blaine. Uh, <laughs> can you vote them out? Yeah, can you vote them out of the society? I, would, I mean, I, I would like that voting privilege. I don't think that they give that to me though. Every once in a while, I'll meet a Bart and go, that's why we get made fun of that guy. That guy right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were we were in uh, school with a Bart. Was it? Was he one that? Uh, remember, we had a Bart. Oh, Bart Oster. Uh, Oster. Yeah, Oster, Oster tag. Oster tag. Oh, Oster tag. Well, Oster, he was a Ostertech. Oster tag. Yeah, that's he plays an appliance. <laughs> <laughs> and he plays basketball. But yeah, uh, yeah well, there was another Bart, yeah. and he was a Bart that I went. Oh, okay, yeah. he's bringing down the curve. I'm doing what I can to bring Poor us Bart. up. <laughs> now, as we were settling in, you into your chair, there, you said that. Brie Larson shared your last name, so that's good. Yeah, I love in, Brie in, the, in the movie. Her character is a weaver. Her character is a weaver, so that's a good sign. Like we're we're doing good work, the weavers. Uh, um, <laughs> you got any take on the uh, Kong Skull Island? You know, I, I just saw the trailer uh, yesterday, and I'm like, well, that looks great. But like, I'm all about the Brie Larson. I'll tell you this: my my major <laughs> thought of of seeing the trailer was like. All right, I could see Hiddleston as Bond if that happens. Like I've Ooh. never seen him like jacked ah. like that, but he look, you know, he put on the weight oh, like you said, point. and I'm like, okay, because that's been the hubbub, right? That he might yeah. be up for it, and I'd always been like, nah, I don't want Loki as my James Bond, ah. but like in the trailer, I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe he, he might actually be too British for Bond. That, I think that's yeah. what people thought. He was a little too proper. Too well, proper, we'll see. Yeah. He's going to be rough and tumble and. Indiana Jones in this one. Now, Brie Larson, she could be James Bond. She can be anything. She's, She's great. She's going to be Captain Marvel, right? Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
Give her all the parts. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> She's got all the parts. Yeah, she I'm does, saying. actually. <laughs> you know who the lead is, and it's okay if you don't, in the Allegiant movies? The, what are the Divergent movies? Shayla. No, the, the guy. LaBeouf. Theo James. Oh, no, no, I think no. he's been in the talk, too, for Bond. Mm-hmm. And he looks the black good. guy? He, he looks a little tougher the than black Bond? Tom Hiddleston. That's Idris Elba. That's Idris Elba. Yeah, that, oh, Idris that, is that the one? awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. Idris is amazing. He'd be great. But Theo James is not a black man? No. Okay. I've missed the Divergent. I need to really catch up on Divergent. Don't bother. Because oh, you're probably fine. Don't yeah. b- bother. They canceled the last movie. So yeah, we'll they're in a maze. They're trying to get out of a maze, I think. I don't know. Is that yeah, and then there's like a giver. It's all. <laughs> they, screwed, they screwed themselves when in the second one, they got out of the maze. And they're like, screw it. Now what do we do? Oh, I hate maze movies. <laughs> who, who wrote this? Who wrote the ending to this one? It screwed us out of the third one. Uh, but let's let's cut right to the chase. Boom. <laughs> oh. That's your movie. Cut to the chase. Um, let's talk about it. Now you have uh, assembled... I, I, and I want to talk about this. I told you I did. You've assembled a team of people here who are part of a pool of people that all seem to work together all the time and get good results out of each other. Right. The you super friends. On that? The super friends of <laughs> my life. Yes. Um, that's kind of what I did. Well, uh, yeah. Like, okay, first of all, when you make uh, uh, any film, it's really good to have a shorthand with somebody. You know, you guys know that. The micro budget is certainly no uh, different. It actually helps even more. But, like, I did uh, this movie Favor with uh, writer-director Paul Osborne about four years ago, I guess. And I worked with uh, Patrick Day. and It was kind of a two-hander. He and I were on set every single night mm-hmm. for, you know, about three weeks doing this tiny, tiny movie. And it was such a great experience. Actually, that experience told me that I could make this movie for the amount of money that, you know, we're A lot of people about. see Paul Osborne work and go, he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> friend well, of the show. Friend of the I wouldn't put it that way. <laughs> Not on recording, anyways. Let's talk about it later. No, but <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he's a great friend of mine, and I was like, I want to do this movie, and I wrote the, the, the part that Patrick Day ends up playing in Cut to the Chase for him specifically, and um, that's pretty much true for everybody in the film, except for Lance Hendrickson and uh, Lindy Greenwood. I knew and wrote every other part for that person. I think that's actually 95% true, with a couple of exceptions of, like, you know, day players. Because, again, of all this history, like Aaron Cahill, who's one of your lead actresses in Cut to the Chase, was in Six Month Rule, yeah. your previous directorial effort. She, she had this, uh, this tiny role in the beginning of the film where she came in and helped me out, and, like, there's this uh, section where the main character... Six Month Rule. I wore my movie shirt. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, like, I'm breaking up with this succession of women in the opening title sequence, and there's, you know... The angry person, and there's the uh, the the indifferent one, and the, she was the upset one, and so she cried tears in the first take, and then we threw in like an improv and stuff, and she just knocked it out of the park, and like immediately I said to her, I'm like, I would love to write something where we play siblings, because we have kind of a similar look, and we had a definite like a similar vibe, but it wasn't really romantic. It was more like you know, shut up, you, you know that kind of thing, and like that was kind of the seed of this idea that uh, when when it came time to do it I was like that's what I want to do I want to do that story that's great and I love it and it's all and these are all micro budget films and everybody knows each other from this these micro budget movies and uh, and that's they've all interspersed throughout yeah, the other guys who were at the premiere were old friends from when you were very young yeah like, well, a I've child been, actor right? I've been in you know uh, LA since I was 18 years old you know I, I got my first acting jobs when I was like 15 16 
And so I've been, I spent more time in Los Angeles than I did in my hometown of Bossier City, Louisiana. So like a lot of the people at that premiere, I've grown up with, you know, or I've learned with. Like there were guys there that were in my short, my first short film that I made, where I played Superman who got dumped by Lois Lane and couldn't motivate to get off the couch. Uh, <laughs> it's good that's, losing Lois Lane. It's a, it's a great funnier die. That's a great <laughs> title, and it's a great way to cut out all the flying that you don't have money to exactly put special oh, yeah. effects. <laughs> 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 Why is Superman not flying? <laughs> Look, he's kind of bummed out. He's kind of bummed out. He can't Sad. motivate. I didn't realize it was Lance Hendrickson. I thought it was, mm. but I remember him having a very deep wrinkle in his face and it looks like uh, he got a little Botox is that the rumor we're spreading I haven't asked him uh, <laughs> we didn't really talk about that and I would dare you to ask no, that I mean, that man <laughs> is scary he is scary but man. if you don't know Lance time. Hendrickson he was in Aliens he was in Terminator he was on the TV show he Millennium. was in the Millennium that yeah, yeah, show, show was amazing yeah I love that show and, and then but let me play a little clip one of the most from, recognizable actors ever too yeah, by the way yeah exactly. incredible yeah and if so then if you know him you know if you don't know you him, don't like talk a, to him about his face he's like a wrinkly Scott Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> right? Yes. Like if, if Scott Glenn had a lot of wrinkles on his face. <laughs> uh, I'm not commenting on that at all. <laughs> so here's here's the beginning of the trailer for Cut to the Chase and then pick up what other story points we might need after it plays. Totally. And to uh, get people excited. Here we go. Am I to assume you have my money? I just need another week. What good is that going to do? Well, it can happen in a week. Not for a guy like you. You shouldn't have taken the bet, Max. The man don't play unless he know he's gonna win. I know, I know, all right? I got it. Counselor, this man is a career criminal with a history of violence. Your Honor, he's my brother. He wants to make a clean start, and I'm asking that you give him that chance. I can't do this anymore. Do what? Save you! Then stop! There you go. That 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 tone of Lance Henderson. That's really like you just hear the like, man, you're scary. I'm in trouble. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, I didn't I didn't know Lance Henderson was in your film, but he starts in the darkness. Yeah. And that can only be one voice. I'm like, is Lance <laughs> Henriksen in this film? Because otherwise, who is that? And sure enough, he walks in the light. And you're like, oh yeah, that's that face could belong to nobody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so okay, so the story's about Max, who I play, and Max is uh, uh, pretty much a born loser, and his kid sister bails him out all the time. That's the only reason he's out of jail at the beginning of the film. And right at the beginning of the film, she disappears. So he believes it might be because of something he's done, so he has to follow the clues through the underworld of this small Louisiana town while being pursued by the man uh, who he owes money to, Lance Henderson. Small point, his sister's an attorney. Yes, a yes. Assistant district She's attorney. an assistant right. district yeah. attorney, and uh, so she's also got her own threads of like where this mystery could lead. And, uh, yeah, thrill a minute, edge of your seat. You buy the whole seat, but you More. only need the I, edge, you guys. <laughs> I really saw a lot of similarities between this and the first Jack Reacher movie. Oh, cool. Uh, Max's character being kind of the outside-of-the-law renegade, although clearly not a military police officer. Much <laughs> not the guy who yeah. fights five guys and says the last one always <laughs> runs away. <laughs> but really very capable with, with his fist, but also his wits, yeah. right? And the, the, the dynamic of having somebody uh, in the district attorney's office trying to figure out what's going on in his particular life. I What I really enjoyed about this movie is that it's a very, very simple premise mm -hmm. that works throughout the whole movie. And I don't want to give any spoilers away, but there is a twist that I did not see coming. There's actually two twists that kind of confused me and I was really uh, really surprised and happy to see that that happened and, and not to give it away it's all over $3,000 
Yeah. Right. That, if Max could find three thousand dollars, none of this. That's one of my favorite things about this. And like I've tried, I've written a version of this script being different, but like always about this idea of like a crime movie that's literally about three grand. If somebody, if this one guy, but there's a line in the movie where it's like you've never had three thousand dollars at one time in your whole life, and that is this character. So yeah. it's it's really fun to play this this guy who's like never stood up in his life, and he's standing up for the first time ever to try to help his sister. Like, that's the only thing that'll get him there. Well, the fun thing is we're dropped into this moment in his in his life, but he keeps bumping up against who he is. Like, every time he moves forward to try and solve one aspect of this, he bumps up again kind of, who he is, and that's how you start finding out that uh, all over town he's got uh, yeah. different relationships <laughs> with... Uh, with a bunch of ne'er do wells who, are, who yes. I talked to on the red carpet. So I went to the premiere on Monday. They they all had. Uh, he's Max is not Jack Reacher <laughs> because Jack Reacher doesn't get his butt kicked. However, yes. let me hear. I talked to Brendan. I think his Brandon, name is yeah, Brandon. Yeah. Brandon Brera, Brandon Brera, old friend of yours who he plays Travis. Uh, no, he doesn't. He plays Cade, uh, the guy with the big beard. Who, oh, Cade. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great exchange when they first Thank see you. each I other like again. Like and here's the exchange I had with Brandon on the red carpet. I am one of the henchmen for Lance Henriksen, who is the main bad guy. And so I get to uh, beat the shit out of Blaine, which is great. <laughs> Nothing's changed since we were eight. <laughs> this time they just happen to be rolling a, a camera. Exactly. No, no difference. <laughs> Wait, then that's, I talked. That's one way to remember it. That's to, not my how I remember it. But then I talked to John Tillman, right? Another uh, guy you've been working with for a long time, or an that's old right. friend, or both. Yeah. That's right. And he said this. Well, I play Jeff, and he's one of the uh, one of sort of the low-level henchmen who's chasing uh, chasing Blaine's character Max through most of the film. We just talked to Brendan. He got to beat the shit up. Did you beat the shit out of Blaine? Uh, yeah, I do. I get, <laughs> do get to do a little bit of beating uh, of him. Uh, mostly, I hold him while other people beat him. I'm sort of you know that's a low-level you know bad guy. <laughs> You're the lower-level bad guy. You're working your way up to actually lay the fist. Right. <laughs> I love that. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. that's really funny. And Patrick now. I think about your your variety of movies that you've made. Um, I never saw Weather Girl. The plot of that was uh, romantic. Yeah, it was a romantic comedy. Yeah. So right, six right, month right rule. Six month rule and outside sales. They were yeah. all wrong. And then Patrick comes along. You do favor with him. Mm -hmm. Then you go dark with cut to the chase. <laughs> I blame him. But here's what he said. Did you in this movie get to beat the shit out of Blaine? <laughs> Finally, yes, I did. Uh, did you really beat the shit out of Blaine? Uh, no spoiler alerts, but yes, I did. There's no spoiler. It seems everybody does. <laughs> Everyone I talk to, they're beating the crap out of him, and I can't wait to see this movie. He sort of brings that on when you get to know him. Really. <laughs> it's it's true. I you know it's it's a funny thing. Like part of uh, part of that is uh, you know being creative, dealing with your restrictions, as you were discussing before, uh, of like. Uh, it's a micro-budget movie. Uh, stunts are dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to, you know, put any of my actors, you know, in harm's way. But I'll do it. So <laughs> I'll uh, take a punch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I built the <laughs> script around, you know, Max loses pretty much every fight until <laughs> it really matters. And in the except for the first one, where we show that he doesn't just get beat up all the time. He, you know, he, he shows himself in the, the opening... 30 minutes as being able to handle himself, just not against the bad guys he's dealing with later. Well, with John and that other guy, you're outnumbered, right? I'm That's outnumbered. I'm always outnumbered. outnumbered. <laughs> Remind me a little of Brick, how he just gets beat up, oh, over, yes. and, and, which is a noir kind of... I love Brick. Yeah. I think, what a great <laughs> film. Convention. And what's the Coen Brothers movie that I can't remember? Blood Simple? No, the, the one with Gabriel Byrne. 
Oh, Miller's Crossing. Miller's yeah, Crossing. he gets yeah. beat up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a there's a lot of hints of other movies in this sure. movie. Like Miller's Crossing, I really thought of Gabriel Byrne's character, where he's just trying to get through <laughs> and figure this thing out, and people just keep hitting him in the head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's it. I think that this is a uh, it is a genre piece. It is a familiar world, you know, and it's just about it's about telling this story that. Uh, Seems familiar, but is different and exciting, and you know, twists and turns, and uh, and you root for the bad guy. Not you root for the villain. You, but wrote, you root you, for a guy who's nefarious. You root for the least bad <laughs> bad guy. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning of your career, just for fun. So, what were those movies you did in fifteen, sixteen? that kind of put you on the map. Well, I did. A, I did a, a, a less than fine film for NBC Movie of the Week called The Flood: Who Will Save Our Children. It was fine. It was mm-hmm. one of those cry, you know, uh, kids die in a flood thing, and you know, very was emotional. Was this a biblical movie? It wasn't. It was. It was literally these kids were going to church camp, and they their bus got flooded. This actually happened in Texas, and they mm-hmm. made one of those true life. Oh. You're gonna cry. Mm-hmm. Now they've moved. So that format has moved to Lifetime, but it used to be NBC movie. Yeah, week. yeah, after school. So I did that, and uh, then followed that up with a, a Western that really nobody's ever heard of called The Good Old Boys that Tommy Lee Jones directed, huh. and uh, Frances McDormand played my mother, and Terry Kinney was my father, and Dang. I was the little brother of Matt Damon. <laughs> it was this amazing time where... How, how have we not seen this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a little slow. I mean, it's, it was a TNT movie, and it's kind of a Western without guns, which is, you know, Little House on the Prairie. Um, yeah. But like it was this experience. It's that around the time of like Lonesome Dove or something, right? It was post Lonesome Dove by, oh, about, okay, yeah. by about ten years. I feel like, like oh, maybe okay. not that much, but when you're you know that a kid, like I feel like I was not in high school when Lonesome Dove yeah. came out. Is it the tone or the style though? Kind of like yeah. a little more, yeah. Little you know, I think Lonesome time. Dove has more of grit to it. You know, yeah. like. Um, but yeah, it was this amazing experience of like literally we were in this town, Alpine, Texas, which maybe two thousand people there, so they had to hang out with me. And, like, you know, Matt was the closest person to my age. So, like, he was, I think, 25, and I was 18. And so, like, I would just be like, what are you doing? He's like, ah, come on, let's go, you know. But, like, there were these great moments. Sam Shepard was in the movie. And, like, I remember, like, sitting at a table no bigger than this. And Matt says, so, Sam, you know, I hear your new play is going to be on Broadway. And I'm like, oh, you write plays? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there was this moment where. Kind of a dying industry, but go ahead. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. You know, you can film those now. (laughs) I mean, Matt and and my entire experience on that movie was him shoving me in the arm and being like, shut up and learn something. There there was this moment where Joel Cohen came to visit Francis, you know, his wife, and we were sitting around, and uh, Matt says, what's the next movie? And he's like, I'm writing something about getting high and going bowling. And of course, I say, you write movies? <laughs> Matt's like, shut up, man. Just shut up. <laughs> but like an amazing experience and basically, oddly, taught me that I could write and direct. And, you know, Tommy Lee was directing and acting. Matt was working on Goodwill Hunting at the time. Like he was faxing back and forth notes between oh, Ben man. and I read like an early version of the script when it was still a spy So you can movie. attest still to that maybe thriller. he kind of wrote some of it. He wrote it. I'm telling you. Ah. He wrote it. <laughs> I've always wanted I've always been curious and, and the reason I'm curious and maybe the older I get the more I think about it the less curious it becomes but you win an Oscar for writing a screenplay. And then you never write the thing you won an Oscar for again. You never do the thing that you were most awarded for ever again. And but they wrote a part, much like our guest, they wrote a part for themselves, well, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the older I get, the more I realize it might have been a career strategy. Billy Bob did the same thing with Sling Blade. Yeah. His desire yeah, right. was not to yeah. be a script writer. His desire was to be an actor. How do right. you do that? Well, there, there's a neat story. So when are you going to win an Oscar? Is basically we're, I mean, we're hello, <laughs> ask them. Ah, losers. No, but there was a story that he told me that I, like, I had always thought was amazing, but, like, he 
wrote him and Ben wrote this draft of the script, which was basically a spy movie. You know, uh, it was it was basically that moment in this in the movie where. Uh, he's being interviewed by the CIA, and they're like, he's like, you know, why don't I want to work for you? Because what if I do this and do this, and then a bomb falls over there, and blah blah blah. And that was kind of what the movie was when they sold it to the company, and then they met with Rob Reiner and Rob Reiner to direct it, and Rob Reiner said, you know, all this is stupid. You should focus on the relationships. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, but we sold this movie, and he's like, yeah, nobody cares now though. You sold it, write that. <laughs> and they they were like, Rob Reiner was the reason we changed it, and they, wow. you know, I I think. I mean, that's movies, you know what I mean? It's like once you get in the door, it's, you know, it's making the best possible thing you can. I mean, I don't really know dick about the studio system, but, like, that's how, what I do in the indie world. <laughs> do you know how to juggle? Sure. Run, two weeks later, come back, <laughs> teach yourself to juggle, right? Exactly. Yeah, right? Exactly. Do I have time? Of course do I know. have time to learn? <laughs> sure. I mean, no yes, I do. When do we shoot? <laughs> two weeks? Mm-hmm. Got it. And uh, you did the thing uh, that we always talk about um, like any good movie, yeah. If you're out on a ranch or whatever you're doing with Tommy Lee Jones riding mm-hmm. horse and all that, you, you just want to turn around and do an animated movie where you don't have to go <laughs> anywhere or do anything. Now, did I have do I have the timeline right or was that before? Uh, no, it's it's a little bit after that. Okay. So I, I did I did that cowboy movie and I moved to New York for a second and then for the premiere of the cowboy movie I moved to L.A. And so I was auditioning. I did a couple of like I did Jag, you know, like, nice. when I was, like you know, old school ER that kind of thing. <laughs> and I, I went into my uh, my agent's office one day because I wasn't auditioning at all. I, I sat across from the table. They for like her. when you just come and hang out when you're not sure. auditioning. I mean, they hate it, but Can like I stop you know, up? it's like what it, it's like you've stopped calling me. <laughs> hey, it's me. What happened? <laughs> but I'm sitting there like a you know a, a lonely stalker. And she's just like, uh, here, go down the hall and audition for this. And it was a, a, a cartoon, and they were doing a voice match from the original Peter Pan movie that the Walt Disney Company made in the 50s, right? So one of the Lost Boys in the original 50s was uh, an adult, and they did had this kind of like, hey, how to do this? Cubby was, an, you know, initially this sounds like Goofy. So I started to do it, and I'm like, I feel like a jerk. I can't, I'm not really good at this, but I can do a kid's voice. Have you cast Peter yet? And they're like, no. And so they gave me the sides, and I auditioned for Peter, and I left. And about three months later, I got a call from the agency, but not from my agent, who was like, is this Blaine Weaver? are you represented by this company? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm in the theatrical department. And they're like, well, I, we have been looking for you because you have nothing to do with the voiceover de- department and you are going back into Disney for Peter Pan and they, they want you right now. So I went back in and I booked it and I've been the voice of Peter Pan for Walt Disney since I was about 22. Is that an ongoing gig now? Ongoing. I'm, I'm doing it next week for Disneyland what? Paris or something. No kidding. Wow, how it's many? awesome, right? Well, because I know that you did a movie, awesome. Return to Neverland, and did you did that. a video game, I did, but yeah. it's still going. Huh? It's pretty much it's any time Peter looks like the original '50s character, that's me. Like oh. the the Jake in the Neverland Pirates has another guy uh, because the animation is different. Yeah. But like every time it looks like the original, the classic I'm the first Disney. call. I mean, don't don't get me wrong; they won't wait around for me if <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not available. There, I'm sure there's a number two Peter out there somewhere, but I'm number one Peter. Can you give us a little number No one? way. You'll never look at me the same again. Oh, I want to hear it. <laughs> That's for the Come magic. Come on, Mas. I'd like to hear your voice. No, do you have to Wait, do a did young Herbie boy's voice? Do a, you have to do a young boy's voice? Well, yeah. It has to sound like Peter Pan, doesn't well, it? Well, then lay it on us, man. No way. You're not paying me. <laughs> <laughs> I could go to the internet and find this out, right? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Get me paid. What's de- All the other, uh, like Hank Azaria will come on your show and do all the voices, right? But uh, Julie Kavner won't, won't do March. The, but isn't Julie Kavner just own Marge? Does no, she, she's uh, uh, well. She's, she's the sisters too, and a couple other things. I think she's I mean, no, not, not just like Marge, that. but don't they sound very similar? Yeah, I think they sound very yeah. similar. But I don't know. I, that's pretty cool. But she, I've it's seen her, me, right? Yeah. yeah. 
I've seen her turn around though and do it once, like when someone was on a show. She like <laughs> turns. Awesome. I'm not gonna look at the camera. She did the voice. I'm losing my jacket, you guys. I'm just saying. All right, ladies. I felt I, it getting I'm actually, sexier. I'm here. actually a little surprised you're not gonna do the voice. No, let me hear what you think it no, would nice. sound like. I, I want to hear no, this, yeah, Bart. Go for it. I love G- give me your Peter Pan. Yeah, Bart, let's you do Peter Pan. From Mises to Pieces, this is Peter Pan. <laughs> That's the only voice. Well, wow, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, what the hell was that? That's also Grandpa Caius. Tommy the Turtle. I got a funny story about it actually. At the premiere, they did the big premiere at El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, and I took my mom and my best friend Brandon Barrera who you interviewed on the red carpet. And uh, we, we got out of the car, and they had entertainment tonight there, for some reason wanting to talk to some the guy that does the voice Peter Pan. So they, uh, they got know, Mary Hart hour. or whoever, it was a famous person. I don't remember who it was, but I was impressed. And, like, I went up and uh, on the red carpet, and she asked me to do the voice. And I'm like, sure, da-da-da. And I, I did a little, you know, Peter. And then I glanced over at my friend Brandon, who, again, I've known since I was nine years old. And he just gives me the long, slow shake of the head. Never do that in public again. Ah. <laughs> it, it didn't help my cool cred. Uh, ah. Does it get isolated and then used in weird ways? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what they do in their free time. but. <laughs> um, well, let's go back to ER for a second. Because okay. I was told you have a cool interaction with George Clooney on that set. And any time someone comes in contact with George Clooney, you want to sure. hear the story. Well, yeah. And he was awesome. Like, we had, I had, what, three did days Did you do the voice it. for him a bit? I, I did do the voice for him. But he's very <laughs> sexy. Uh, no, we, uh, I had this bit, uh, where it was me and a girl and we we're going to prom or something. And, uh, we had this kiss, you know, in, in the scene and it's him and Juliana Margulies looking on and rolling their eyes or whatever. That, that's the whole bit. And, uh, we're about to shoot the scene and, and Clooney comes up to me kind of off camera and it's like, uh, so have you done this before? And I'm like, yeah, I've kissed, I've kissed lots of girls. And he's like, no, no, I mean like, you know, on screen. And I'm like, oh, no, this is the first one. And he's like, do you want some pointers? Oh. And I'm like, do I want pointers on how to kiss a girl from George Clooney? <laughs> yeah. Sure. First, so, be George Clooney. It's a whole lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> Real easy when you're George Clooney. The girls love it if you are. They really do. Do you have an Oscar on you? Because if you have the Oscar, you have the Oscar on <laughs> <laughs> no, but he gave me, t- he basically said, you know, it's uh, it's a choreography, you know, it has nothing to do with what you do in real life, you know, it's like if you put your hand here, and you step here, and tip her f- face towards camera, and tip your face away from camera, and pull her in, and then break, you know, not, <laughs> you know, I, I, I know it sounds silly, but like, no, the, the thrust and the pull away, it's like, it's an important thing, and he's like, just do it like that, and it'll look great. And we did exactly that. And you know, I looked up at him afterwards. He gave me the thumbs up. And I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I've done. I've directed three romantic comedies since. And every single time, I've do, done the Clooney technique with my actors and taught them how to do it. And it works every single time. Do you do it in real life? Uh, you know, the thrust and the pushing away. It's a little aggressive for real life, <laughs> but it's great heightened realism. I'll tell you that. The George Clooney School for Acting Kissing. I love that. Very thoughtful of me. He didn't have to be nice to me like that at all. He, like, that's what I love these stories. Like him and, you know, Matt Damon and, like, Hector Elizondo was incredibly nice to me on Chicago Hope. Didn't have to be. Just kind of went out Ooh, of their way to be cool. You did both ER and Chicago Hope? I did all the medicals. You allowed that? I was going to say, you're allowed to do that? All the medicals. They don't care what I do. <laughs> now, have you got Mark Harmon in your movie? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, ah, nice. that's exactly it. No, I, actually, I... Have a great, you want to hear my Harmon story? I, would lo- I will take any time for a Mark Harmon story. Here's my Mark <laughs> Harmon story. So I did uh, I did both JAG and NCIS. Also, 
did wow. crossing crossing the streams. So um, I'm doing NCIS, and uh, it's a small bit, and basically I'm like in this room with my back away from uh, the door, and I have headphones on. So I'm listening to music, and I'm growing pot. That's the whole thing. And then the door breaks open, and Harmon and his NCIS team come in, guns ready, and scream, and I don't hear them at first. And then I finally turn around, and I throw my hands up. I'm like, hey, don't shoot, man. And we have a little exchange, okay? That's the scene. So we practice it. And everything's great. Harmon's very nice, you know, like very professional. Doesn't suffer fools gladly, but it's like, you know, hey, Mark, how are you? Thanks for being here. Means a lot. I know. was in the Presidio. Did I, was, does he lead like that? Did you see the Presidio? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, okay. Uh, <laughs> so he doesn't like talking about summer have school. A course. I love summer school. And he's like, oh, oh of course. Yeah. But that did you see the Presidio? Great. Anyways, so, so we have this whole, you know, rehearsal thing. And then they say, all right, we're going to shoot it. They leave. They go out the door, and the director approaches me and says, that was great, that was awesome, only this time, instead of looking at Harmon, I want you to look at this red X that we've just put on the door. So they put this, like, tape this X about 12 feet from his eye line. So I'm like, well, did you tell Mark that I'm not going to be looking at him when he comes back? And, you know, they don't care about me at all. So they leave, and I'm like, I'm going to look like an idiot. You know, Mark's going to think I'm just, like, the biggest jerk in the world. So... Rolling, I'm facing away, da-da-da, I hear the door open, I hear Mark say, freeze, and I turn around, and I look about 12 feet away from him and say my lines to this red X, and they call cut, and I just kind of look down, shame-faced, and I look up at him, and he, he follows my eye line, and he's like, he comes over, and he's like, did someone tell you to look at that red X instead of looking at me? And I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, okay. Hey, and he calls the director over and he's like, don't you ever tell an actor not to look at the other actor when they're acting. Don't you ever do that again, okay? And then he turns to me and he says, but that was a good job. This time you look at me. And then he comes out and we did it again. <laughs> and it was the coolest what thing. What the hell? That's awesome. So cool. What was up with the X? The X is just, a, the eyeline was off. It was no, but why did he think that that was, who was this director and why did he think this was a good I'll strategy? I'll tell you why. Because I, I just shot something recently, yeah. and, and I did have to have the person not looking where they were supposed to, because it just looked more like they were looking at them okay. if they angled their face out. I'm assuming that's what they did. That was absolutely it would, it. So they catch more of the side of your face, and it looks more like you're looking at him, except you're And they were, they, were, they were doing double duty. <laughs> so they it was were a cheat. Shooting. Yeah, yeah, it was a cheat. cheat. Yeah, a okay. cheat. That's Which the is no big it. deal unless you're, you're shooting two cameras at once, and then you're trying oh. to get their response and my response, and I'm looking over here. And, yeah. But Harmon was a stand-up guy, and then uh, we made an offer to him for Weather Girl to play this part, and he wanted to meet me and you know sit down and have coffee or whatever to see if I was cool or not. And I walked into this coffee That's shop. That's already cool. Yeah. You're sitting here with Mark Harmon, and you're like, do I come off cool? Because well, I'm I show out. up, and he stands up, and he's like, Blaine, great to see you again. I'm like, shut up. Uh, you don't remember me. You should have put know. a big red X on the booth yeah. where you were sitting. He's like, I, he's he's like, here, Mark. I totally remember you. You didn't look at me when I came through the door. <laughs> I'm like, all right, but that that, that guy's a, a pro, man, and funny. Like, you wouldn't think, uh, you know, watching Special Agent Gibbs, which is him, by the way. That is literally, he is that tough and that, like, that's him. No nonsense, but can be really funny when the, you know, he was really funny in Weather Girl. You should check it out. You hit him up for any moonlighting stories? Yeah. He's yeah. Got, honestly, he's got some of the best stories. There's a romantic foil on that. The one, the, oh, that's the, right. The big I one. I forgot. I mean, yeah. But I mean, he's, he's go, he goes back, and but he was in the middle of everything through all of these periods. Like, he has these great 
stories about Sean Connery. There's this great story about the thumb. You remember in the Presidio where Sean Connery put like the thumb to the guy's uh, head? Maybe. Like, and well, there's there this whole fighting thing. It's like I'm gonna beat you. I can't do Sean Connery. I'm gonna be, beat you. I'm gonna beat you with my thumb. I'm gonna beat you with my thumb. And like they had all Harmon was like they have all this choreography done, and he's like. No, I'm just gonna do it with my thumb. I can't have a really awful accent. I'm <laughs> sorry. Just do it with my thumb. G- give me two weeks and I'll come back it. with a good Scottish. Gonna do it with my there thumb. There you go. That's it. That's it. <laughs> there it is. It's but, almost Bane. But Armin was like, "Yeah, he just <laughs> made that up because he didn't feel like learning the choreography." And I'm like, "Well, it's cool. All I right. thought it was cool." But yeah, he's got tons of stories. Oh, like he's just like Hendrickson in that in that the entire crew like loses productivity because everybody wants to go and sit with him at lunch and Hendrickson smokes so. People would go out. Everybody would picked up smoking by the end of the day. Just like, you know, just tell hanging with Lance, you know, smoking. What we do? Tell another alien story, Lance. That was cool. You know, God, his voice is amazing. Yeah, so that cool. that would be amazing. Me. I mean, Bill Paxton just died, and when yeah. I saw Lance Henderson and that, I thought, what great taste this James Cameron has. Yeah. That, like, I mean, we wouldn't know Lance Henriksen was, not necessarily, if it wasn't for... Terminator. So, yeah, I mean, God, it's just a, what an eye for these great character actors. It's true. And a shout out to two other friends of the show who have been on here uh, that I saw at your premiere, and I forgot they were in Outside Sales, Andrea Grano. And Tara, oh, they came on the show to promote BFF. Yeah. Man, I love yeah. those ladies. They are so talented. Where my heart budget? Uh, uh, it's some of my favorite people. I really like that movie too. Yeah, yep, that was good. Yeah, this. I'm telling you, there's a, a web. Pair. It's a web. If you get, get in. If you're out there, get in this web. It's a good web. It's a key of people, but in it, other it, people's things. And, and you kind of grow this web a lot because I think there's a certain type of. Uh, is there a certain type of festival where you run into a lot of people who are also doing micro budget sort of things that you kind of start to create your own group? I think that, that there is definitely festivals that lean that way. But I like at this point, all festivals, you know, have like this. I don't think it's a special category. Like you know, I, I think you watch, you know, cut to the chase and. Uh, it's hundred thousand dollar budget, but I I would put it up against most seven million dollar movies that that I've seen. You know, it's of course maybe not a hundred million dollar, but I don't think that the quality lacks because no. again, what we were talking, what you were talking about before about creativity, we don't show the stuff that looks crappy. You know, it's like that's one of our big things. It's like if the if the stunt doesn't work or the digital effect doesn't work or whatever it is, then we don't show it. You know, like that's that's the deal that we make. We don't do like a cruddy little it's, effect just because we paid for it. It's got a great look too. The movie. Thanks. I mean, it's shot like crazy well. It's, yep. And 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 I think the first thing you see sometimes when you when you can recognize an indie, it's because everything is completely completely lit. Right. Everything is completely lit, and and you know there's almost no shadows and stuff. But like, I mean, from the very beginning, like I said, like Lance Henriksen just like cut out of the shadows, and just that face comes out of there. I'm like, wow, that's I mean, that's just a really good nuance to put in it's like lots of dark space you know lots of you know shadows and shadows neon and we've got lots of neon you know and rob senska is my director of photography and just a, a genius but like our first meeting about this movie he brought uh the the graphic novel the killing joke oh. and there's a a shot of the joker in shadow and he mm-hmm. leans up and he's like i think this is lance what do you think you know and i'm like yeah <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. great yeah the whole yeah, movie that we, that we aimed at this graphic novel kind of look this uh you know gritty smoke in every single scene the only scenes that there aren't smoke in is the scenes with the sister you know which is almost a different world it's almost like there are two movies going on you know and the last thing about this film um 
the composer told told a cool story at the Q and A that we were at. What, what is his name? James Eakin the Third. James told a story about starting with one score and then having to swap it out and switch it up halfway through. Was it halfway through post or tell his story? On it that? wasn't really because that. that's a true indie kind of story too, where you're just switching things up totally. and getting it done without having you know a massive budget to do that. Well, James Eakin is an amazing composer, classical. Like he 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 does his own symphonies and stuff that have played at Carnegie Hall and stuff. He's an amazing guy. He's from Shreveport, my hometown, which is our connection. Um, but I had this idea because of the budget that we would have this very sparse uh, guitar, maybe a little country kind of uh, score that would that would reflect, you know, the the budget we were working on. And then he was working on it as we were shooting, and he did some temp stuff for us to drop into the uh, to the to the rough cut, and it just wasn't right at all. It just it it felt completely wrong because we were making a slick thriller slash action movie that doesn't feel that indie, you know. Uh, this is not um, uh, uh, Winter's Bone. You know what I mean? This is, you know, this, uh, it, you know, it's a thriller. It's, we're going for Indiana Jones, you know, or, or Die Hard. And I was like, man, I hate to do this to you, but it's wrong. It's And it's all my fault. It was it was sparse at first and yeah. it was like tone. It was like all. It was it was more uh, indie country, I guess, with oh, okay. with like, uh, you know, we're the backwoods, Louisiana. It was acoustic. Uh, yeah, yeah, acoustic. Kind of thing, yeah. And I thought, again, those words mean cheap to me, you know, like a, as a producer i was thinking you know i need it to be inexpensive because i cannot afford a full orchestra and i had that conversation with him like i don't know how to do this but like i need john williams to back up these you know these fights and these chases to really elevate them to where they need to be and i'm like i don't know how we do it and he's like oh no i can do it and it's this button here (laughs) (laughs) that is exactly right amazing oh did you need uh 13 violence oh (laughs) click You seem to know much more about it than me because that blew my mind. I'm like, what? Yes. Well, I just assumed based yeah. on technology that, uh, and we had Joe Kramer in here who scored um, Jack Reacher. Yeah, Jack Reacher. And favor. And favor. And favor. Yeah. And, uh, see, see the web. Yes. And uh, Mission Impossible. Web. And he talked about the magic buttons yeah. a little bit. He's awesome too. I mean, you know, like I need an orchestra. Oh, well, I keep it right here. <laughs> <laughs> but did he? Did he not? And then build that entire score. He built it without. Without an orchestra, not one instrument. It was all—I uh, don't know if it's called sourced or loops, uh, or something. something like that. But it, it was all like record, pre-recorded. Like here's a G, here's a you know from a violin, and I don't know how he did. It. Like I never sat next to him while he did. It. He would send me stuff, you know, matched up to the cues, and I would be like, "Can you really hit this punch?" And then he'd do it. Did he take any of the themes that he'd written acoustically and sort of adapt them? Was that still any of that stuff remaining? I believe remaining? He, cool. he kept the, uh, the like, he, you know, he he's one of these guys. Like, yeah. he had the Max theme, and then, you know, every other character has their theme and, you know, comes back to the Max score all, yeah. all over and over again. It's just like, it's so, uh, dense is the wrong word, but layered. You know, it's like, I, it's just so impressive to me that, you know, because I don't understand music really in that world. So, like, hearing it and seeing him be able to do it on a budget... Uh, you know, on a schedule, uh, just blew my mind. Yeah, I thought that story was pretty cool about yeah. how he just overworked. He the, just, he and he just Tiger Woods. Hey, change your swing for us. For he just quick. pivoted completely, and that I mean, that was the whole team. Like we would just keep the communication open, and if we couldn't do something, then we would change, and we would figure out how to how to accomplish it. This week, it's gone live everywhere. Voodoo, right? You can go <laughs> discover what that is. Just lead with Voodoo. iTunes, <laughs> Amazon, you name it. Uh, Google Play. 
which I've rented a lot from recently. Is that, is that easy to use? And Google by, Play is great. And by the way, for our audience who's going to go check this out, uh, anyone who does, I had this conversation with someone recently who got a YouTube, put his credit card on YouTube. So whenever he would search for a YouTube free clip of something and it wasn't there, they of course will say you can rent this from YouTube. Almost any movie is on YouTube for rent, right? Yeah, if you have your credit that, card yeah. in there. And he goes, so I rented it. And he goes, because you know why? We used to rent movies all the time. I don't know why. <laughs> for, for a period of time, it was weird to me. Where I was like, oh, it's pay. Never mind. Yeah. No, you used it's to go to the video thing. store every weekend and spend 15 bucks in $1985. Yeah, like, true. go ahead and rent it. Buy it. What, I mean, you know, like... Yeah, if it's not on Netflix, nah. I'll watch whatever's on Netflix. I'm yeah. just going to say that the investment to own Cuts of the Chase is really, really where the smart nice. money is. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Support your local it. indie. <laughs> well, it's, not, it's not on DVD Blu-ray quite yet, though. Not right? yet. It'll be right. July. Okay. And it's CutToTheChaseFilm.com. That's right. Cool. Uh, well, let's get on to a, a, a roundtable discussion here of... What did you see this week? What did you see this week? What did you see this week? I put that to the table. Uh, I'll, I'll Actually, let me leave because I am continuing my movie every day. I'm watching a movie every That's day. That's fantastic. Been doing it for three That's weeks. That's awesome. Took Oscars off and the day after because I was a hangover. Uh, <laughs> a movie, movie hangover. hangover. <laughs> movie hangover. Um, but this last week I went to see uh, Table 19. Okay. Uh, speaking of indies, do tell. the Duplass is brothers. It, is it the uh, Breakfast Club of uh, weddings? No, it's bad. Oh, oh yeah, it's damn. Really bad. Just, just bad. It's damn. just bad. That's yeah, a shame. It's, a, it's a lot of charming personalities in a just a clunker. Not it's really not directed anywhere. by the Duplasses, but that was their story, I believe. It's right? story only. Yeah, then by the time it got scripted and directed, it's, it's yeah. no longer charming. Even that cast, huh? Yeah, even that cast. Because mm. they're doing things that are just so forced, you know, like... There are all the people. First of all, I don't know why any of those people are there. Well, there's a few people there. You have no clue why they're invited to this wedding. If you don't remember, it's the movie about the the bad, the table at the wedding you don't want to sit at because yeah. it's full of all the losers. And there's some people there's like I don't even know why you're invited here just to make a plot happen. And they do a whole bunch of other things just to make a plot happen. Like they'll all show up in the bathroom to make sure the girl's okay because she left crying. And then they're all in there to do a thing together and then do the next thing together. And it's like you're really not doing all of these things. They they didn't seem to have the charm of outrageous situations and activities and things people would do that to you know to do make a large movement for a character in one direction it never felt like any of those things were easy did it take place in the time of the wedding reception is it a compressed time frame type movie or is high it noon different? type stuff i yeah. don't know high noon yeah you know i think it may have that you mentioned anyway that's always intriguing to does me. she find I, I can't no it can't be entirely that because i can't imagine a wedding reception goes 90 minutes <laughs> <laughs> not the ones i've been to no does she find true love at the end Do, i mean who's gonna see i it? won't spoil. okay I won't spoil. <laughs> i'll leave you hanging um, and then and then uh i saw somewhere in time for the first time in my life on Chris saturday Reeve? yeah buddy of mine lent it to me on uh, a buddy of mine old jamie our old uh, board op um lent it to me Doug Jones' favorite movie of all time. Is it? You know, when he was on the show, he okay. told us that. Oh, we'll get to yours in a second. I forgot. Blaine, yeah, I haven't yeah. um, Hold up. So I had to watch it. I had to watch it somewhere in time. And it was, uh, it, that's, that's, boy, was that made in 1980. <laughs> 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 it's a John Barry score, which is just out of this world. Sure, you know, the score sure. is amazing. People tell me now they've walked down aisles to it. They hear it. They start it's crying. Fa- and I get famous. that. Yeah. yeah. I get that. But, uh. Does, it's almost impossible to talk about without spoilers, but it's good. So I mean, it's, it's like in it? 30 years old. Haven't we jumped the spoilers? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's back true. 
<laughs> Man, I, I just got on a movie jail for it. It's kind of a movie jail movie. It's back in an era, and I say this, uh, you know, cynically, I just say it's back at a time when they just didn't know how to make movies. Because there are some movies at, at that time that just... Uh, I, you can't. This movie could end at any moment, or I mean, just in some ways, nothing happens in a way for a lot of these uh, old dramas. I don't know. Yeah, it's Christopher Reeve learns from an old like professor how to go back in time by simply willing it when he's lying in the bed with nothing modern around him. Yeah. So then he can will himself back and wake up in the past and meet and fall in love with this woman from a portrait that he's absolutely just agog over. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds stupid. <laughs> well, maybe because it doesn't sound like he might have just fallen asleep yeah. <laughs> and dreamed a bunch of stuff and then come back. Uh, just no. saying. And then someone said, no, because she visits him before he does all that as an old woman saying, come back to him. Right. But maybe you just met an old lady, found out who she was, freaked out about how hot she was, and then dreamed about her. The yeah. working title was Take a Nap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry uh, to hear that doesn't hold up. I... I I have fond memories. Oh, of everybody that does. Movie. I said, I said, it's all a dream. Too long. I, on Facebook, I'm like, it's all a dream, and I had just like everyone. Yeah, people went after you. Yeah, come on, you, <laughs> you hard-hearted <laughs> bastard. Uh, Sunday, I saw Kevin Hart. What now? That was good. Karen loves him. She it was actually more fun to sit here and watch her just laugh her ass <laughs> off. At Kevin Hart. Uh, cut to the chase was Monday, uh, and then last night. I don't know if you've ever seen Blowout by Brian De Palma. Uh, yeah, that movie is amazing. amazing. That has one of the best endings of any movie In ever. Well shot, amazing. It, yeah. You can see his full on love of Hitchcock all over oh. that movie, uh, and more. More. Um, I don't know. It didn't seem forced. I'll use the word forced again. Like it didn't. Body Double was a little forced. Rear Window. Uh, it's certainly an well, he's homage. He's showing his cards a little more in body yeah, double. He's being trashy. He's like, I'm being trashy now. Blowout <laughs> is full on homage, and that you know, it's good. It's good. It's great. It's great. And then the end, it's just a hammer to the head. Have you seen it? Uh, you know, it's been a really long time. I remember the ending, so I, I've seen. Whew, but Osborne would kill me. Osborne loves that movie. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. He would be so embarrassed. He will be. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, I'm so ashamed of you. Yeah, See I that just. Movie. Uh, yeah, what a, what a uh, master for that! Yeah. He was at his prime too, full on. Oh yeah, dressed yeah. to kill and carry, and all, all those were right around that. Yeah. that same That's the time. John Travolta film. It is, and he's now, great. Is that the one where he hear he's yeah. listening to something? I have such a bizarre memory of this film. I've never seen it in its entirety, but our our neighbors got HBO. Uh-huh. And they were the oh, f- one of the first in the classic. neighborhood to get HBO, and it was on HBO. <laughs> of course, but it was. it was back when uh, when sometimes what happened when you put movies on TV, they got squished. Yeah, and let the aspect ratio yep. was all off. Yeah, yeah. And I remember watching like ten minutes of this movie, <laughs> and I'm like, this looks weird. I walked out on it because it was all squished under the picture tube. That's my that's my only recollection to blow up. Yeah, like that I was, I always remember the end of uh, Romancing the Stone same way. Like. Yeah. Suddenly, everyone gets real thin at the very <laughs> exactly. end. Of the, as, oh, yeah. the, as the boat's going away, I'm like, yeah. everyone just get really thin so they could squeeze the Yeah, that's because the credits had a different aspect ratio yeah. back then. Right. Like, it would just go boink. Well, the whole and then movie's squeezed for TV, and, but if you put the credits up, they'll bleed off the end. So yes. you got to squeeze it yeah, to get everything yeah, I know. on it's like, <laughs> Suddenly, the, the thing, credits. Eventually, they learn to do the whole thing. Such a funny box. reference <laughs> that I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, that's so that's me seeing stuff every day. And I know that's there's great. one I went to on Friday that many of us saw, and that's Logan. Oh, yes. I did see Logan. How fantastic is this movie? Yeah, it's really good. I, I mean, thought it was great, man. This I, is like, a- I'm such a sucker for, like, the, like... Badass, dark superhero movie, you know? Like, sure. that was great. I, I loved it. And I'm such a sucker for superhero movies. You know what I, the, what I did before to get ready for Logan... The New Beverly was showing the 1966 Adam West Batman, and I went and saw it <laughs> twice, and then I went to go see Logan. 
<laughs> you went Saturday and Sunday matinee. I for did. I mean, and it is a Warner. That Arc- is a that is a tone flip. Oh yes, it is. It is. It is. But it is. It is the complete range. Honestly, yeah. like if you want to know the complete range of superhero movies, you go see Adam West Batman sixty six, and then you go see Logan. And this is as far in time and also in tone as you can go. <laughs> yeah, as t- uh, as depressed as I was at the end of that film, I mean, I can't deny that that's the movie being effective. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just wish that people who saved the world, of course, had a better outcome than you know this dreary. Uh, finale for for Wolverine and, and what's Professor great about X. it is it, it's so much like what I love about comic books you know or like graphic novels or anything is it it doesn't have to exist exactly in our timeline that we're you know to me it doesn't have to like be you know what happens to you know the the Wolverine from the first X-Men yeah, movie yeah. you know what I mean it's like it's kind of like it stands by its own and I was so impressed that they had the the guts, you know, to tell like a, a different tonally story. And I'll say this too, walking out of it, I was like, this should be proof positive to anybody who's part of Warner Brothers or anything that's that's writing off the problems in Batman versus Superman about the tone. Mm-hmm. I don't think right? that's the problem. The, the, right? you know, the problem is you need to figure out who your characters are because we all know who your characters are and when you're doing it wrong, we get irritated. That's a good call, by the way. Yeah. Because yeah. you can obviously be dark. Logan yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Made some money. But there's something else wrong with Batman versus Superman. Yeah. And it ain't the, it ain't the choice to go dark. But it's so fun to have an eight-episode arc in the uh, this character's life. And I, when I was a kid, Wolverine was the best. I mean, he, I would only buy X-Men comics for Wolverine. I honestly thought the rest of them were a little bit boring. And then, of course, the, he got his own series and everything, and I was a big Wolverine. But the one thing I knew, and especially as a superhero movie, a live-action superhero movie fan, which I'd, I've always been, and Christopher Reeve, and even going back to Adam West and that stuff, I love seeing it transfer. But I knew the one thing that would never happen, you would just never make uh, an X-Men. And if you did, the Wolverine, how could you be Wolverine from mm. the comic book? And they did. And they told Every Wolverine story. So in this in in this one, Logan. This is a little bit based on Old Man Logan, but also it's just it's there's kind of a lot of different Wolverines. Get off my lawn! <laughs> old Man Logan used to. Old scream. Man Logan, right? He used to scream that all the time. And you did it because he had giant claws. <laughs> But we have now seen every possible Wolverine that existed in the comics in some way. It's just it's it's cool. It's like this was this had another couple because there's 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 an, there's Logan and there's a there's a surprise I won't blow, but that's another reference to to the comics, and so that's another version of Wolverine that we got to see. And of course, X twenty three, the little girl, you know, who is another Logan. So we've seen every Wolverine now in all these eight movies, and she was fantastic. She like, was. Anytime you see a child actor like give a performance like that, I'm. You know, like, yeah, I, I tip my hat. Yeah, I mean, I used to just bag on kid actors all yeah. the time and coming in and ruining movies. They, they're on like a decade roll of being great yeah. in a mm-hmm. lot of films, you know, from Moonrise Kingdom to The Impossible to, you know, right on. I mean, right. here's another one. That kid was great. She was great. There's something, and also James Mangold. Now, what did he burst onto the, the scene with? I know there was Copland, right? Was that he- his first? Uh, he, I think he made Heavy before that. Okay, yeah. Bruce Taylor Vince. And that is like the classic indie era, that 90s indie era. James Mangold is right there with the Tarantinos and everybody. That's when he made his first movie. And, you know, and so he's been that sort of class of filmmaker for me and just seeing some great little indie moments in this too i love the shot of the little girl with the sunglasses just looking out the window with wolverine driving and you're like that just easily could come right out of a a gregor rocky movie or like you know just something so 90s about that it's like it's hard boiled but it's also sweet you know and well you know why i think that's sweet and why that works that's in the trailer right yeah yeah. i haven't seen the movie is that there's something very 
human about her in that moment and it's the fact that her glasses aren't really cool <laughs> right little kids put yeah. on the goofiest sunglasses and think they're cool because they're sunglasses yeah. and that's actually what a girl that age would do yep. hey i got sunglasses yeah they're hello kitty but she's <laughs> trying to act tough uh-huh. with her hello kitty because it's sunglasses still like exactly. jack reacher style exactly. but for her it's a little girl yeah <laughs> and i think that's actually what comes through in that moment i know yeah 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 they they <clears throat> did mangold make 310 yuma the remake <sighs> That's a good question. Because this is... Oh, yeah. I think it is. Because Logan is... is the, And it's no surprise because they reference it in the movie. It's a Western. Yeah. yeah. And it's the gunslinger's one last hurrah, you know, to save the small town or wherever, whoever he's saving. In this case, it's it's the kids. And uh, well done. So. And there's essentially one missing piece of Logan. The, all, the idea behind the, in the comics and in the movies, they unfolded it the right way, is that he's passed as a mystery and you start finding out things about him. And the one thing that was left is he never had this kind of human connection. He never had a family and everything like that. And here comes this person that is every bit the maniac he is in some ways, too. Which, you say it's a depressing movie. There's, there's real joy at that moment where you go... She's about, this little girl is about to eject her claws and start, you know, ripping stuff up. And you got to smile and laugh, as, even though heads are getting cut off, because it's an R-rated movie. Which, yeah. was the, which, again, that's the final Wolverine, too. That's who he was in the comic books. And you could always see the claws go through the chest, as long as they didn't make the blood red. You know, it made the comics code authority. But Wolverine stabbed a lot of people in the comic books, <laughs> and never ha- really has that much in the movies. But yeah, now, the action was awesome. <laughs> it's the real and Wolverine. Man, you just... Jackman, you know, no, no, no spoilers here, but he does some physicality thing in this movie where it, it just blows my mind. Uh, you know, wh- whatever. I, I don't want to ruin it, but like, yeah, he shows up in different forms, kind of, and I'm just like, wow, you're so good. How are you so good? Well, you know? when he finally goes tank top, you know, the classic Wolverine yeah. with the tank top, his arms are gigantic. And I, I used to have a graphic novel of a painted Wolverine, and his arms were extra big, was kind of like the artistic style. But Hugh Jackman has become that Wolverine too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. And for the record, I look just top. like that with my shirt off in Cut to the Chase. So oh, oh, uh, check it out. Check it out. VOD. Let's do. Let's, let's end with you. Uh, let's end with you, Blaine. Let's end you. Let's, let's, your end f- with you. let's end with you and your favorite movie of all time. My favorite movie of all time is a, a little ditty called Casablanca. It's, uh, you know. Never heard of it. You know, uh, it's <laughs> hack work. No, I, Sounds boring. To me, this movie is uh, perfect. And I think it, it, really, uh, it really tells, it, it really goes to how important a script is. That script, there is no fat in it as all, at all. As a, as a writer, I'm constantly looking at that film as like, wow, like there's not a wasted line in this film. And we were talking the other day on the red carpet about how it's not just the love story where it could have been. It also has these layers of history and topical politics at the time. And mm-hmm. like, you know, it it take, took me until I saw it in, in my late 20s before I got the, most of the references, the World War II references. And even now, I mean, I'm sure I'm missing things that I don't know that I'm missing, but not a wasted breath, and then you have these really cool performances by these actors, but they're just serving the script in that, and uh, it's, it's my fave. It's yeah. very smooth how that movie lays out all of its information. It's, uh, I love the, the, the girl coming from uh, uh, coming from nowhere back into his life and the, uh, the, the the amount of mystery they build up for that, too. Yeah. It's like it, and it matters. It's everything when it, when, that you know of the character now starts to make sense, too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... It, available to be seen on the big screen in, in L.A. at least once a year somewhere. Yeah, you should so if absolutely never seen do it, that, please. Yeah, you should totally do that. And it holds up. That's not an old movie. No. That does not feel like an old movie at it all. It does not. And if you can get past the uh, the black and white 
and the references. And I feel like there's a lot of young people who I'm always telling them to watch that movie and they have a hard time with it because, you know, it's, I don't know, history and we don't really talk about that very often. But, like, there's a lot of information that they're just assuming you know because, you know, it's World War Two, but people don't, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, uh, and I, I count myself in that as a young person, but, like, it, it's important stuff. I almost said bad words, but I did. It's interesting that the the famous speech at the end is that I haven't read it up as much as I guess I could on this because I think there's lots and lots of books on really, Casablanca, yeah. but that sort of whole speech at the end, how everything gets wrapped up, was the very famous speeches, the very famous moments. Is that kind of making up for a, a, a an inconsistency in it, or was that just meant to be a moment that it was built up to that big speech, or was it like, oh no, we better write something because it's just not epic enough at this point? You're talking about the problems of the two yeah. of us don't meet a hill of beans, right? And yeah, yeah, the one where he's talking to her, the one where he's talking to uh, the 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 prefect, the uh, no, the hill of beans, the, uh, yeah. the, the 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 problems of two people in this world don't matter. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll always have Paris, right? Yeah, yeah. I just wonder if like they're like oh, we we need something here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's great. <laughs> it always that way? There's a, a bit of an homage to it in 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 my film uh, Six Month Rule about like not to I'm going to spoil that movie but like basically it's about the friendship more than the romance you mm-hmm. know like this friendship has grown and like he doesn't get the girl but it's okay because of this and I I've always found in that movie that like I love that that like her being with the guy the freedom fighter is more important than anything you know mm-hmm. and that these two uh, ne'er-do-wells you know they have each other and yeah. that's going to be okay I, I don't know i just think it's beautiful the way it all ties together and one question i've always had about that movie too is they set up the whole relationship between him and her and then she comes back and all this sort of thing and then there is a very out of place flashback to the two of them when they met back in the past in paris and that is a 10 minute sequence that very much seems to be like that they felt the audience needed to see that, whereas it would be a much more artsy affair if you never had that in and it was all intonated. I think you need that so bad because you need to get to that moment where he's on the train and he gets the Dear John letter. And I mean, it's heartbreaking and you really see like... But it's so literal compared to the rest of the movie, though. It's really like, okay, and then this happened to them, I'll give you that, but I feel like, you know, (laughs) like you see Rick as a different guy, you know? And it's, it's, you know... uh, I, I just think it's beautiful. It, like, it really shows why he is Wolverine, you know, why he's, you know, <laughs> broken and, you know, I don't need love. Pour me another drink. I saved my first whiskey to have with you. Yeah. <laughs> Bart, did you see anything this week? I saw uh, Don't Think Twice. Oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was this really... This is Michael Key. This Michael, is, uh, first of all, not enough Kate McCoochie in that movie. Not enough Kate McCoochie. She's not, great. I she's love her. She Although is. more Tammy Sager than most movies will give you. Yes. <laughs> I like seeing Tammy you. Sager. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It, nothing happened. No, there, for me, there was no arc to this. There was no conflict. There was no resolution. It was just this is what the improv world looks like. I've I've been on the peripheral of the the peripheries of the improv world, never really in it. So a lot of it rang true for me through association. But I got the impression that if you've never been around, you've it, had good seats for the uh, exactly. improv community. <laughs> <laughs> I've been backstage. I know some people. Yeah. Uh, but I get the impression that if you've never been around it and you don't know anything about it, you would watch this movie and get a really good sense of what life is like in that community. And it, it like I, I, I mentioned earlier, it kind of just checks off all the boxes of what's it like to be in this community? What's it like to, to try to strive for this particular dream? What's the arc of, of the dream? Because Keegan goes on to become yeah. somewhat successful. Uh, but they do a really good representational display of that life, but none of the characters really arc. None of the characters really resolve. Nothing ever really comes of anything. They just kind of keep plugging along by the end. And it wasn't as inspirational and uplifting. I, I really like Mike Babiglia, but 
the movie was set up to 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 me it was set up to uh, make him the the hero and that he's going to eventually become something and he's going to work on himself and achieve and he just doesn't. No, he, he and that is a reference within the community yeah. that he is a type. He is a guy that I mean, maybe to that point, right? Yeah. In, in his in uh, Keegan's girlfriend is another type that that I, at least I understood in the movie. I didn't understand this about Mike, but I understand Mike's character. Uh, but I understood about Keegan's girlfriend's character, which is she's just happy to keep doing this. Yeah, right? she she yep. really doesn't want anything more than what she's got right now, and this is happy for her. Uh, yeah, she I, likes doing these shows, these improv shows, yeah. and that's it. And that she doesn't need yeah. to go to. And you get that SNL. from her, but you don't get that from Mike's character. You don't get, you don't get his type unless you're smart enough to sit back and go, "Oh, I guess he is another type of person that is going to and just." They're all all the types you're describing. They're all out there. They're all out there. <laughs> they're this all is, out this there. This is my point: yeah. is that yeah. I think you walk away, whether you've been around it or not, pretty convinced that this is how this world works. Yeah. 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 Uh, th- that's like a genre, though, nowadays. I saw 20th Century Women recently, too. Mm-hmm. There's no plot. Oh, no? A bunch of interesting characters. Yeah. They do stuff. They get involved with things. You know, we talked about Annette Benny's character kind of wants his her son raised by these two other people, so stuff happens in that respect. But there's no, like, hero journey with the arc and the quest and the... Aren't you supposed to have that? Well, in your apparently you don't have to. Blaine, you have that in your movies? You know, I was <laughs> writing something just the other day, and uh, I was really... Put that in your movies. I was really know. caught up about the fact that, like, it wasn't... This character wasn't driven to do something, mm-hmm. you know? And then I went and I watched uh, 16 Candles. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of like a, a basis of this, this idea for this movie that I have only about a 40-year-old guy. Hey, I'm ruining <laughs> my pitch here, guys. But I'm going to make it before you guys do anyway. So, whatever. I'll do, I'll do it for you. Just, Patent pending. Just try Patent to pending, steal it. Just weaver. try it. Anyways. It's called 40 like Candles. That <laughs> might as well be. But, like, that has – she d- wants nothing. She wants to achieve nothing. She, like, is bummed that her parents don't remember her birthday. But there's no – driving force she's just going through her life and like it was really interesting for me to watch that because i'm like there's no classical you know hero's journey structure and i love that movie but at the end she she there is something she wants right yeah but she does nothing to achieve it correct but what i'm saying for for and i don't disagree with that what i'm saying is the saving grace of that movie as much of or as little of an arc as you might be claiming it has is that we we know she has a want and then she achieves that want Mm -hmm. in in think twice don't think twice uh, Right. Well, they all want weekend live, don't they? Well, that's yeah. That's but what I was until you say. learn one is okay with the, that. The, the plot arc is that Keegan does get on the SNL, yeah. and then that does strain her relationship because she is still back in the improv world. But there are plenty of people that are just like, no, I'm okay just being in the improv world. I don't yeah. want that, you know. But yeah, that ends up that's an indie plot. Yeah, that's yeah. not a lot happening, and they do resolve nothing. Well, to, in to that. Paul's point, but, they all want it. Right, but there isn't a resolution for them for for everybody. Right, yeah. I have no idea what became of Kate's uh, Kate McCucci's character. Um, one of the characters ended up as writer. The other character, Keegan, ended up as a performer. Mike makes a very Mike's character makes a very interesting choice. Uh, Tammy Seeger makes a very interesting choice, but they don't resolve. Nothing yeah. gets resolved. Yeah. And that bums me out. They're just kind of still out there. Yeah, floating around, living in that uh, apartment, smoking pot, watching Weekend Live, and yeah, kind of how Cheers ended. Yeah, they're all still in the bar. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like them there. That's I kind of want that still to be going on. Clearly, they didn't get bombed or anything weird. Um, all right, so run over where we can uh, find Cut to the Chase Film. Cut to the Chase Film.com. You can get links to uh, everywhere that it is available. But, uh, you know, buy it on iTunes. Give it a look. Is there the, uh, the usual um, social media involved with it as well? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Cut to the Chase, Facebook, Twitter, Blaine Weaver, B L A Y N E Weaver, and you can follow me too. Cool. 
That wraps another movie showcast. Together with the movie guys, individually we are. Paul Preston. It's catchy. Follow us on Twitter at the movie guys, Facebook.com slash the movie guys, as well as YouTube, iTunes, Instagram, all that nonsense for daily jokes and links. Thanks to Blaine Weaver. Yay! I'll applaud. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks to Steve Schultz for his writing contributions to the show each and every week. And, of course, we owe everything to Pat Peach. Next week, another one-movie weekend with most films getting out of the way of Beauty and the Beast. But I think we might be able to squeeze in some time to talk about the Belko experiment. The Belko experiment? You've new, been warned. New James Gunn. Oh. oh. Looks like a crazy, violent, corporate Ooh. thingy. We'll oh, talk yeah. about it next week. Right. Huh. The Joe Boss. <laughs>